0: This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello, Mindful Medicine listeners. Thanks so much once again for spending part of your day with us. So, you know, I I know you know this, I'm a naturopathic doctor licensed here in the state of California as a primary care doc and when I was going through school, I've said it, if I've, if I've said it once, I should say, I have said it many times, heal the whole. What's the whole? It's the whole that starts at your mouth and yes, ends all the way back there because your gut health has so much to do with your whole entire health. And our guest today is gonna to break that down because she's an expert. I'm gonna to introduce to you Sherry Torcos. She is a pharmacist, an author, and a health enthusi- enthusiast with a passion for prevention, graduated from with honors from the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy and Science in 1992, and then she has been practicing holistic pharmacy in the Niagara region of Ontario, so right by those falls, and her philosophy of practice is to integrate conventional and complementary therapies to optimize health and prevent disease. And she's written a great book called Eat, Move, Chill, The Best and Worst Belly Habits, yes, that can make or break your health status. So, Sherry, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It is my pleasure. And, you know, right off the bat, it's so interesting. I love that you say in your bio that you integrate conventional, right, and... Um, and let me see. Uh, and complementary therapies, because I've not that I've had arguments with folks, but I always think about our conventional Western reductionistic medicine as conventional, and I catch some folks saying traditional, like that's the way that it's always been, and I'm like, no, traditional is if you go back into the history, is we. We definitely prided more on, um, you know, clean air and good food and clean water and and breathing and using botanicals and homeopathy. And, And that I think was more traditional. And so conventional is what we're used to in our sort of third party, you know, reimbursement insurance based medicine. So I appreciate that.
1: Uh, well, yes, it's something that I'm very passionate about and, and keenly aware as well that, yeah, long before we had the pharmaceutical drugs that we use today, he, societies relied on plants as their therapeutics. They relied yeah. on food and and healthy, clean living. And and uh, unfortunately, I think what happened once we got into that pharmaceutical revolution and while, while it was great, the discovery of penicillin and opioids and all these drugs you know, they are not without their problems. And and we see that played out over and over again with the opioid crisis we have today and with the overuse of antibiotics. And, you know, I've always been one to advocate for the judicious and appropriate use of medications. So not that I'm anti-drug, I'm like feeling only use drugs when they're absolutely necessary. And as a first line, let's look at what we can do from a lifestyle perspective, what supplements we can take, what we can do to help heal our body naturally.
0: That is um, fantastic being a pharmacist, you know, and my parents were both pharmacists and I and, and believe you me, they did. I mean, they did come around to understanding more of my philosophy and how I was sort of I think born to think kind of like you um, in that way, but that's just fascinating. So, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show, um, heal the whole right, and you, mm-hmm. you, you know, how, how important is gut health to our overall health?
1: Well, I would say that gut health is probably one of the most um, overlooked factors that is really integral to almost every aspect of your energy, your physical and emotional well-being. And when we we think about the fact that our our gut is home to like 70% of our immune system in this time of year where people are very concerned about immune system health, you know, I I think it really highlights the importance of taking care of our gut. If things aren't working well in our gut, it, it can affect your energy levels. It can make you feel sluggish. You can have headaches. It's not just about digestive problems, and I think that's where people think about gut health. It's like, okay, I'm constipated, I have diarrhea, gas bloating. There they think, okay, that's just a gut issue, but they don't realize that maybe their migraine headaches or their inflammation in their joints or their insulin resistance or some of these other things could actually be linked to an imbalance in the um, in the microbiome, the dysbiosis that can occur.
0: Right. Okay. Those are two big words for our listeners. So um, you mentioned microbiome and, and, and that's getting a lot more attention these days because I think of the research that's being done in the last decade, which I'm so excited about and fascinated. Um, but when it comes right down to it, we're talking about the stuff that grows, what we're made of, this good and then therefore sometimes bad bacteria, right? So can that's you get right. into so, that? That's yeah. right.
1: Yeah, so from, from, I tell people from mouth and to bottom end, we are filled with bacteria. and, And I think just that whole concept makes people feel a little, ooh, that's strange. But it is so true. There are bacteria, trillions of bacteria in our body, and they're on our skin as well. And these bacteria have a very important role in regulating a lot of body processes. So, well, I think commonly we think of bacteria as a bad thing, just like viruses, you think of disease, bacteria, disease, but there's some beneficial bacteria that are vital for our health, and that's the probiotic bacteria. The beneficial bugs that are important for regulating everything from digestion to helping with um, nutrient absorption, mm-hmm. biting off pathogenic bacteria, um, and also they produce, um, they're involved in, in supporting our immune system and in, in regulating inflammation and, and so many different things. So having um, good gut health is really paramount for optimal health overall.
0: That's excellent. You're right. You're absolutely right. Probiotics so, you know, to live basically, right?
1: That's yeah, what we're talking for, about for the health and the <laughs> life of our bodies and and so many things can throw off the balance of the beneficial bacteria in, in our gut and one that, you know, I'm often talking to people about is antibiotics. And and again, I I go back to this point that I'm not anti antibiotic, I just really feel that we should only be using them when absolutely necessary. And what we've seen in in, um, healthcare in the last 10 years, there has been a strong movement to educate doctors and pharmacists as well on the appropriate use of antibiotics because there's a huge problem with resistance and superbugs. And that's been created by the fact that we are overusing these drugs. We don't need antibiotics when we have colds or flu or other viral infections. They serve no purpose, no value. They're only effective against bacteria. So yes, if you have a bacterial pneumonia, bacterial bronchitis, something like that, where it's been tested and you're found to have bacteria, strep throat, then you need an antibiotic. But when they're taken... For other reasons, it, it not only is it not serving your own body because you're not getting a benefit, it can lead to the side effects, antibiotic-associated diarrhea, an imbalance in your microflora is really what's happening there is the antibiotics kill off not only that bad bacteria, but they kill off the good bacteria. And that is the number one side effect. Number one side effect of taking antibiotics is diarrhea. Yep. And I would say right up there in the top three is probably yeast infections and thrush. I've had patients call me on the phone and they say, oh, "My tongue is turned black, or it's <laughs> yeah. white, or it has this this milky coating on it. What's happening?" And what happens is you you get an imbalance in the normal bacteria that lives in your body, and other things like yeast and other bacteria can thrive. And then that can lead to those symptoms. So we, again, when it comes to antibiotics, you only want to take them when absolutely necessary. Um, Keeping in mind that just even a single course, like one course, a seven or 10-day course of antibiotics, that can upset your normal flora for months, if not years afterwards. And and today we have a lot of these high-power antibiotics that are being promoted that kill a lot of bacteria and again some of that beneficial bacteria are the casualties.
0: Yep, you're right. You know, there's like I always say there's there's value in all systems of medicine and certainly when needed, but it's so important to start thinking, have a critical thought process about it and think it through. So, your book Eat Move Chill, the best and worst belly habits that can make or break your health status, you mentioned certainly antibiotic that's going to disrupt that good microbiome, cause dysbiosis, so just an imbalance of what's growing and what's not growing. What are other things that folks do that get them into... Issues with their gut health, and what are some better habits that folks can start adopting, where we can have that center of gravity of good health in our gut?
1: Yeah, sure. So, so eat, move, chill. It's it's actually not a book. It's just this is just a topic, a release that we that I worked on with my publicist to help educate people on the vital importance that gut health plays in our overall health. So, um, well, I do I have think, information. I think, <laughs> I think you've got a book.
0: I've got to think you've got a book in I you do. then, because I do. <laughs> because I do have a really book important. in me. Actually, yes.
1: I've written books on. On, on natural medicine and, and actually my encyclopedia, which um, is Canadian Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine, is actually an encyclopedia that integrates the conventional and complementary um, therapies that people can can use to, to help address in, in a, a variety of, of health conditions, A to Z. But, yeah, with Eat, Move, Chill, my, my goal really is to help educate people on, on the steps they can take, the important steps they can take to optimize gut health. So the first uh, tip or suggestion is when it comes to eating, we all love to eat. It's important to eat a variety and a diverse range of foods. And the reason for that is that when we eat the rainbow of, of colors, we eat vividly colored reds, yellows, oranges, purples, greens, all of the, the fruits and vegetables in their natural form. We're, we're giving our bodies, as you know very well, an, a diverse range of nutrients, and we're also serving our microbiome because studies have shown that the more diverse your diet the more diverse your microflora, and that's something we want. We want to have a diverse range of of these beneficial bugs. So trying to eat foods, again, I always tell people as close to their natural form as possible, and then specifically adding some prebiotic and probiotic foods to your diet. And I find a lot of people know about probiotic foods because there's good awareness that yogurt has some beneficial bacteria, key kefir, kimchi, miso, tempeh, kombucha might have a little too. These are foods that that are fermented. They have some beneficial bacteria. They're certainly good for digestion. But you also want to feed the beneficial bacteria with the prebiotics. And those are fibers and, and other phytonutrients that can stimulate the growth of the beneficial bugs. I, I refer to them as kind of I think of the analogy of throwing fertilizer on your lawn. The prebiotics are like the fertilizer for the probiotics. They help it to grow and, and flourish. So foods that are rich in, in prebiotics are asparagus and bananas and flax and barley and oats and nuts and legumes, apples. They're all great foods um, to help support to this diversity of the beneficial bacteria.
0: Yeah, so those are, I mean, that that's important. And I, I love that you say that, you know, diversity index, we've seen in the research that, you know, and I have the ability as a practitioner to, to actually, you know, do a stool test with folks that, you know, I give, they're like, wait, do I have to do it right here? And I said, no, absolutely not. You're going to take home a kit and do it. But we can see how diverse folks microbiome is and low diversity index has been correlated with poor health outcomes in the research. And so eating that, and I think that's where, and, and tell me if you agree with this, that's where this idea of seasonally, eating seasonally, eating locally, right? And, um, and making sure that it's, it's diverse. So not, there are so many folks that I have worked with and and cared for in the past 20 years that eat the same thing every day and yeah food over is, and over yep, again over like over a again. handful
1: of vegetables or fruits yeah it it's it's difficult it always surprises me when I hear this because I, I was raised to eat a I mean we couldn't afford to go out and and my parents we grew our own fruits and vegetables in the summertime and my mom froze and canned foods and I was raised on a very whole foods um, diverse diet and and it's something I've ingrained in my son but I've had my son's had play dates with other kids and they come over and I see what they eat and it's like sometimes I'm lucky if they'll eat two vegetables and those two vegetables would be like potatoes and carrots. (laughs) They, They don't want the peppers and the broccoli and all of these other foods that are just so healthy and I've been pretty, um, I would say, intense about when I w- my son was young, introducing these foods to his diet, and we pick what vegetables and fruits we're having. I let him have a choice in it, but we do ensure that there's diversity, and I think that's important for people listening that have kids, try and introduce these foods early in life and, and make sure that they're consuming them on a consistent basis.
0: Yeah, great. And so if folks don't end up eating that diverse group of foods or they don't like the fermented, you know, sort of prebiotic and probiotic foods. What then do you suggest?
1: Well, then I would suggest taking a good quality probiotic supplement. And I actually serve as an advisor on a website, which is probiotics.com. And this is a, a very common question that people write in about. They say, you know, I don't like yogurt or, I, you know, I, I don't like the taste of, of kefir. I mean, it has a slightly bitter taste. It's definitely not for everybody. For some people, yogurt, it's a texture thing. They don't like the texture of it. Um, I would say then you want to consider a good quality probiotic supplement. Even if you are eating yogurt and kefir and kimchi and those foods, it's very difficult to know if you're getting a consistent and reliable amount of beneficial bacteria. Stability can be an issue. Sometimes the cultures, the dairy cultures, which are not naturally, um, that are not native to our bodies, there can be issues with digestion. And so, you know, for me, I've always been one to say, you know, probiotics, like any supplement, even a multivitamin, it's there to complement your diet not make up for a poor diet. So I always encourage people, eat healthy, but then use a probiotic or another supplement in a complementary way. So when you're looking for probiotics, there are a couple of things that I I recommend. One is to look for clinically studied strains. And the one that, that we take in our house and that I often recommend is chiodophilus. And it contains bacteria that are known as the friendly trio, and these are a group of lactobacillus and bifidobacteria that have been clinically studied and shown to help with digestion and also to offer benefits for immune system health. Um, They have guaranteed potency until expiry. They don't require refrigeration, so there are a lot of attributes, and, and I think that is a good choice. And they have different formulas too. My son takes the kids chewable. I take the one a day. They have formulas for fifty plus formulas with enzymes. So that, that's a good one to consider. Um, and then keep in mind too that if you're if you're taking an antibiotic, you may need to. Um, well, I advocate taking a probiotic during and after that antibiotic. So. Um, when it comes to supplements, does everybody need to take a probiotic every day? Not necessarily, but if you have digestive, digestive issues, um, if you have a lot of dysbiosis-type symptoms, so if you have gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, bad breath, or if you've taken the antibiotics, or you have irritable bowel or Crohn's or colitis, those are certain populations that I think can really benefit from taking a good quality probiotic.
0: Great. Well, I really appreciate you making the difference between a good quality probiotic, some of the things that are contained in that product, like studied strains that are scientifically backed and that are shelf stable so they don't have to be refrigerated. They can withstand the the stomach acid and get in there and colonize, you know, one of the things that I've been doing with probiotics in the last just couple years has um, been asking people to take it at night. And I, I stumbled across this, um, w- a couple different clinical reasons, but I feel like, and it was mostly when I got into working with people that had SIBO and that mo- migrating motor complex and understanding more about that. And I thought, you know, we do want these good bugs to get in there and sort of colonize and survive and start protecting the turf, right? It's a turf war down there in a sense. That's and a Yeah. And so I I figured at night, there's not a lot of that other motility going on. There's no other supplementation regime going on. And so especially since it's shelf stable, doesn't have to be um, refrigerated. I sometimes just have folks just put it right at the bedside and that's the last thing they do. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that taking it, for example, with your coffee in the morning is probably not a good idea. Um, I, I think that, you know, some of the ingredients in coffee and, and also with other beverages may not provide the ideal environment for absorption and implantation. So, yeah, I think taking it in the evening is a really good choice.
0: All right. So, okay. Well, let's, you, you know, you mentioned also in sort of this brief about um, eat, move and chill. Eating now, you talked about some foods with prebiotics and probiotics. So, what to eat, but when to eat does that make a difference? So, obviously, folks have heard about intermittent fasting or the fasting mimicking diet. Um, what do you think there?
1: Yeah, so it turns out that there's interesting um, research that intermittent fasting, so going a period of the day where you're not eating food. For you know maybe 12, 14, 16 hours, that that can actually support gut health by um, improving the diversity of your of your gut bacteria, but and also helping to reduce inflammation in the body. Now, a lot of people have tried intermittent fasting for other reasons. Typically, it's weight loss that that people start thinking about. But I I know from talking to a lot of patients that have tried intermittent fasting, initially it's a little hard. You find you're a little bit hungry, but once you get in the groove, you feel better, you have more energy. And I think it makes sense to give your body a period of time where it's not constantly working on digestion and breaking things down and it can focus on repairing, regenerating and healing. So it, it makes sense intuitively, and then it turns out that there is some research that's been done on this showing that it is beneficial, again, for the, the diversity of that gut bacteria.
0: Yeah. So, I, you know, I, the, the biggest thing about intermittent fasting, and there's different ways folks can do it. You know, there's you can have an eight-hour eating window and then a 16-hour fast. Um, a lot of things I recommend that for at least getting a good 12-hour fast, something it initiates, that I think is kind of cool, is something called autophagy. So auto, self, f- faggy or phagos, eating. So it kind of it, uh, sort of stresses the cells just enough where it starts to eat their own debris. So it's almost like this inherent built-in detoxification process for the cells when they're not being overburdened by having food coming down, you know, almost consistently um, for a 16 or plus hour period period.
1: Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense and and when you just think of it from the perspective of, you know, giving your body that that downtime to to work on these processes that are kind of innate in our bodies to take care of business inside, to detoxify, to purify, and if you're constantly eating throughout the day, uh, you know, and you know, exposing yourself to, you know, there's chemicals in food that are are not ideal, pesticides and a lot of sugars and additives, just think that that would bring about a lot of toxic burden to your body. So eating clean and healthy and and giving your body that period of time where you can be fasting and it can work on detoxifying, it makes a lot of good sense.
0: Yeah. All right. So we've covered some habits of what we eat. So prebiotic, probiotic food, a diversity of foods, when we eat, um, taking a supplement. And I love that you said, look, supplementation just means to add or enhance something that's already there. So we want a good diet for sure. So what about this moving part?
1: Yeah. So it turns out that physical activity, Um, of course, we know is beneficial for every aspect of health, emotionally, physically, but it may also have a beneficial effect on gut bacteria and and thereby help to improve your overall gut health because there's been some studies that have been done um, in athletes um, that have found that um, people that are um, playing intense sports like, like rugby, that they actually have a more diverse gut flora and also uh, a greater number of strains of bacteria compared to other groups that were studied. Um, And there have been other studies as well in in people that exercise regularly. There's a study that was done in a group of female athletes um, compared to non-active women, and it found that even like the low to moderate types of exercise, like just brisk walking, Is beneficial, and I think there's a lot of reasons why we need to move our bodies. Uh, Right now, there's a lot of stress. Uh, People are feeling cooped up. You know, sometimes you know you got to try to be innovative with what you can do within your home to be physically active. Whether it's climbing stairs, or there's a lot of great apps that have these 15-minute quickie workouts that you can do in the comfort of your own home. If you can get outside and get a brisk walk in, I think that's always great. It helps to relieve the stress, but it also is going to help improve your gut health. And plus, it's just good for digestion, getting the blood flow moving. So I encourage my my patients to be active every day, aiming for at least, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of of that moderate intense activity. And, again, being flexible when there's days you can't be outside, find things that you can do indoors. If you don't have a treadmill and you have stairs going up and down the stairs, if you don't have stairs, then there's things you can do to move on the spot, whether using your own body weight as resistance, you know, doing squats and lunges and push-ups and sit-ups and things like that. Um, If you have mobility issues, holding on to the back of a chair, while you're doing lunges and squats that can be helpful i used to be a fitness instructor so this is something i'm very passionate about and and i always um you know take the time to talk to people about because i think just that regular exercise is just so vital for good health.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. So we've got things that we need to be careful of or shouldn't do, right? Um, you mentioned in your briefing uh, to uh, alcohol. Chronic alcohol consumption can increase that d- dysbiosis. Sugar, sugar, smoking, even overuse of antibiotics and acids. We've got stuff and great advice on what we should eat and when we should eat it. Moving. So this is all about the center of gravity. That 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 sort of almost, uh, tethers our health, overall health, gut health. You said it from the mouth to back there. I, you know, I say heal the whole, and everybody gets it at this point in time. Um, so I really appreciate everything that you've brought to the table listeners. This is the way to great health. It's your gut. And there's so many things in life and lifestyle and what you eat and what you do and don't do that can affect it. So Sherry, before you go here, where can our listeners learn more about the gut and get additional advice when you're not on the radio with me?
1: Yes, we will give you two websites. The first is probiotics.com. That's a great resource of information all about probiotics, gut health, immune health. You can write questions there. I serve as an advisor along with other medical experts. So if you check out probiotics.com, if you have a question, you can submit a question. My website as well is SherryTorkas.com com it's s h e r r y t o r k o s sherrytorcus great information on my website. I have articles, blogs, links to some of my interviews that you can watch as well. And um, it was fantastic interviewing with you. I I appreciate the opportunity to um, to talk to your listeners about gut health and how they can eat, move, and chill for better belly health.
0: (laughs) All right. I think you just summed up the end of the show. Listeners, thank you so much once again for being here. We're going to see you next time.